Good evening, everyone. We're so glad to see you all. Are you all here? Good evening, everyone. Okay, okay, I was making sure, you know, wanted to hear you all. It's good to have all of you with us again on a Wednesday night. We're looking at the book of Revelation this week. We're going to look at the letter to the church of Laodicea last Sunday. Pastor Jeff did an incredible job. I told him that's one of the finest sermons I've ever seen on Laodicea. So if you haven't seen it yet, please go to uh, lighthousecommunity.org and you can, .com, go to lighthousecommunity.com, our website, and you can watch the last Sunday sermon again with Pastor Jeff Lee. It was great. Good stuff. We're so glad you're here tonight. Tonight's an interesting, this is the last of the seven churches. So it's the last letter involving a direct message to a specific place. Now, from the beginning, you realize I've always said to you all that, remember, the book of Revelation may not have been written to us, but it, has, it was written for us. So that's what we have to always remember when we're doing this. I hope that if you're here, you picked up your sermon notes. Um, I'm having trouble with this thing today. I don't know. It's the microphone. Maybe that's it. We're going to uh, go to, and I hope you have sermon notes. We're going to go to that. Before we start, I really would like to start uh, with a word of prayer. And wow, I got loud all of a sudden. Amazing. Let's pray together. Father God, to go into this book especially, it can be confusing, it can be scary, it can be all kinds of things, but oh my goodness, whenever we open your word, it is always a blessing. We love getting to communion with you. So tonight I ask for those in this building, for those online watching, may you open our hearts and our minds to hear your voice. Speak through me, God, let your words be my words. And most of all, Lord, as we learn the message to this church, May we find those messages to our church. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we want to look at chapter 3, and we are starting with verse 14. And hopefully, hopefully just before that, it says the church at Laodicea for you. Um, because this is a very special one, and it gets a little spooky in a couple of points. All right, here we go. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. <laughs> Would you that you were either cold or hot? So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I, spit, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold uh, refined by fire so that you may be rich, white garments so that you clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. The, those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in to him and eat with him and he with me 
The one who conquers, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's pretty straightforward. I'm, I'm not sure that those elders and the pastor at Laodicea took anything and said, oh, I do not understand what he means. And the reason that, as I talked before, one of the things you need to realize every time he wrote these letters to these churches, once he says to the church of wherever, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Ephesus, wherever, then the next line gives you a hint as to what he is trying to get at. And you know how when you're trying to get someone, a child, for instance, to do something that needs to be done or to hear you and to pay attention, there are times when you may have to throw some cold water in their face or get their attention by tapping them. You know, I used to love when my grandfather used to flick the back of my ear. Did anybody have a grandpa that flicked the back of your ear? Oh, my gosh, that hurt. So when everyone to get attention. Well, what Jesus does in these letters is that first line. He says, okay, to the church in Laodicea, write the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. If you're in Laodicea at this moment, you're thinking, wait a minute, the amen means the final, the conclusion, the omega, the ending, you're it. There is none after me. And in fact, it implies and says to them in their language, there was none before me. When he says, this is the amen, and here's the reason, believe it or not, even in the church, there were references to the god Zeus of the Greek culture. Because the building it was in at one time was also a worship center for the god of Zeus. What we're trying to figure out is, because as we unearth the ruins, because, by the way, today you can go see some of the ruins from Laodicea very much, and it's a very strong city there. And when you see that, you find these things, and you're wondering, why is it that followers of Christ would still have those things in reference to God? And it's, it's almost like they didn't let go all the way. In other words, they're not hot and they're not cold. They just kind of, you know, they're in the middle. And that's the part that Jesus is having a hard time with. So when he says, um, I, I want you to understand uh, the faithful and true witness. By the way, later on in the 21st chapter, uh, when we get there and we start getting to the end and the fun stuff of that's going to happen after the apocalypse, we're going to see where he says, the faithful and true witness, Jesus himself riding on a white horse. Um, has, when we get to chapter 6 and 7, that's gonna, we're going to separate that out a little bit. But you will also see that when he talks about the faithful and true witness, they're standing up and going, why is he saying that to us? We are faithful and true. In fact, we brag about how we are self-sufficient and followers of Jesus. We need nothing. We know nothing. We are never naked and poor, which is one of the phrases he uses in this passage. In fact, as Pastor Jeff pointed out last Sunday, this city was destroyed a few, uh, quite a few years earlier in an earthquake. The Roman government came to them and said, hey, you know what? That was, well, that's terrible what happened. We will help you pay for the rebuilding of this. They said to the Roman government, 
oh, that's okay, thanks. We don't need you. We've got enough money. We're rich enough. We're powerful enough. We've got everything we need. We don't need you to step in. Doesn't sound a little prideful to anybody else, or is it just me? Um, we have to realize that when these church officials, I was going to say elders, but sometimes yes, sometimes no, trustees, whatever you want to call them, they were at the point of under, trying to get people to understand, we have so much money, we don't need anything else. So there's no reason for anyone else to give us, we are self-sufficient, we are all that, and two bags of chips. Because they would go down to the store in their latest city and eat their lays. So the beginning of God's creation, this is the phrase in this first verse that really gets a lot of people. So it says, I'm at the beginning of God's creation. It doesn't even say at, it just says, true wit, faithful and true witness, comma, the beginning of God's creation. Anybody have an idea? Does that mean that Jesus, that God made Jesus at the beginning of the creation? What we find out later on in this book that no. And even, oh, you know what? There's a reference in Colossians, oh, it's on your page. Colossians uh, 1, 5 to 8, 15 to 18. Let me read that real quick because here's what Paul says of Jesus, which, which will remind us of this passage in this book. It says 15 to 18 in Colossians, the first chapter. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That's as far as we need to go, but if you go on to read through 18, you're going to find out all the references that God gave Paul to tell the Colossians that, look, Jesus was there at the beginning. When it, when it talks about Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega as well as the one who sits on the throne, the Lamb was there at the beginning when all things were created. So we as followers of Christ need to realize that when he speaks with his authority that's going to be coming up in the following chapters, you're going to find out and quickly and realize the angels of heaven, those in throughout the the everything in the throne of heaven, the throne room, all of the places in heaven, they all realize the power of the lamb. And at no time is the lamb questioned. In fact, there's one place where they ask a question and say, who is worthy to even open the seals that God, of the scroll that God is handing, that holds a, God holds in his hand? And he's handing it to the lamb. Who's able to even open that? Come March 16th and you'll find out the answer. So when we, don't you love when I do, I got told the other day, we love when you do that to us. So what I want to do is, Pastor Jeff asked me just to talk about a couple of these points on your page because when we break up into your life groups, um, we're going to split up in a little bit, just like always, maybe 20, 25 after. And I would like you to then start discussing on the sermon notes on this week are so incredible because Jeff did a great job of putting Question, enough questions in there to make sure that you can be able to have lots of um, things to discuss. 
Some of them may be more, of more interest to others. So then if you see, a, as you're reading to both sides of this page, if there's one that really interests you and you want to talk about it as I'm walking around or even online, if you have these sermon notes from last Sunday, if you would like to ask questions about those notes, please type them in. My friend Mark and, and Dave and the guys up there in the booth, they're going to be looking at those questions and they'll bring them to me and I can answer them. If you want to email a question to us, uh, our office staff will bring it to us as well. Go to pastor at lighthousecommunity.com and you can um, send your questions into us that way as well. So when it says, um, notice the comparison of Colossians 1, 15 to 18, which is it. And then Isaiah 65 was a very, verse 16. That is a very interesting reading as well. So in your life groups, I'm just going to give you a little hint and I won't even charge you extra for it. Go ahead and read Isaiah 65 when you get into your life groups because that's a great thing too. All right. And then I want to finish this little time together as we look at verses 15 and 16 here in chapter 3. This is amazing to think about. Um, as you're in Laodicea, there's one thing you realize and you know. You never have hot or cold water unless you ice it or you boil it because turning on any kind of faucet going to a well doing any of that stuff opening anything that you can open to find water even if it's in a pitcher a, a clay pot or whatever you can't get hot or cold water to the let's see to one way let's say Colossae is up to the north and from Colossae down there's a nice cool stream that comes in and by the time it gets to Laodicea, it's a really nice cool stream and it gets in there. But there's one small issue. What gets pumped in from down south is a hot spring. So obviously we all know when by osmosis, when you mix the hot and cold together, you get this tempid, nasty tasting water. I don't know about many of you, but Jeff gave a great um, illustration of how trying to quench somebody's thirst, in his case, while he was in the hospital, with tepid, neutral, plain, bland, warm water. It's not good. And in fact, in some days when people would put just a drop of Ipecac in it, that's what would help people to induce a, a thing to empty their stomach. That's all as, as nice as I can say. I'm trying not to say the other word, Jeannie. I'm trying, you know, I'm just saying. So... When we get to the point of reading this word, he says, would that you were either cold or hot. See, because when you're hot and sweaty, there's nothing better than a cold drink. You know, when it's a hot day and it's warm, I say, you say, I just need something cold to drink. Or when you're, you know, right now we have brothers and sisters living in places where there's three to four feet of this white stuff outside the door. My daughter sent us a picture today from, from, um, uh, New Mexico she's up in the hills to Harris New Mexico where she lives and it was snowing really hard and I kept telling her you know you got to quit you got to fix your screen on your camera because it keeps showing me this snowy picture I'm a video guy I can tell you that's not good and she goes really funny dad just because what's the temperature in California I said I and see I've known long enough not to go there and tell people things like that I love the people that say get their reports from the guys in Minnesota and everywhere off back east and they say oh look we got six feet of snow and then somebody says oh man in Huntington Beach it's like 75 degrees oh that's just wrong and that's what was happening here 
people in Laodicea are looking at the Colossians and the Colossians are going, what do you mean you don't have cold water? It comes from here, dude, look, here, here's lots of cold water. They're putting it on Facebook in Colossae and they're all going, look how great this is, is cold water. And then down in the hot, stream, the hot springs in the south, they're all going, oh, look at this nice warm. It's so soothing. It has lots of things to help your bones feel better and everything. And in Laodicea, it's miserable because of the water. Yes, they have the textile industry. They're known for their wealth in that industry. They, uh, it has its own school of ophthalmology. It became very famous for a salve that put on people's eyes that helped their eyes to heal when they had eye problems. And, and, and very famous for it, and which is why Jesus talks about some of that in this thing. So when Jesus is giving them the message of repent, turn away, be zealous and come back. When he does all this, he does it from a frame of reference that speaks specifically to them. In this room or at home, maybe you can tell us if you want to say yes on the chat box. I'm going to ask a little question here. Has there ever been a moment in your Christian walk when you knew God was talking to you? Good or bad, but has there ever been a point when you know, oops, yeah, okay, the pastor's speaking. I always love when people say to me, Pastor, why, who told you? And I'm thinking, who told me what? Why were you talking to me? And I said, well, I was kind of just reading, and he, oh, did something get told to you that I need to know about? No, I'm leaving, thank you, bye. They never want to talk about it very long. This church, these poor people are saying, oh, look, that you were doing this. And then when he says to them, but you are wretched in verse 17. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Now, this is the God of creation. And he says to them, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. It's not a neighbor gossiping about them. This is the Holy Son of God who, like we read, was at the beginning of all creation, which means he was there when God said, let there be light, let there be water, let there be land, let the expanse come up, let there be birds in the air. And He has power. And he says, but you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. If you get to that point in your life where God has to tell you you are any one of those things or all of those things, or if all of a sudden you're reading Galatians 5, 17 through 18 and 19, and you see a list there, gossip, malice, anger, I mean, things that you're just thinking, I don't want to know about this. This is the same place the church of Laodicea is in. And he wants them to know and understand something. It's not too late. The amazing part of this, be zealous and repent. Turn 180 degrees from the way you're going. Turn around and come back to me. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him, eat with him, and he with me. Verse 20 is one of these, probably the second or the third most famous verse written in this book. 
because everybody, behold, I stand at the door and knock. We saw a picture of Jesus, one of the most famous paintings of this. And if you want to look it up sometime, look up Jesus standing at the door knocking. Just type that into Google and you will see one of the most famous paintings that was ever painted. With Jesus on the outside of the threshold, giving a little knock. You don't see a doorknob on the outside because the doorknob on those doors is on the inside. For Jesus to come in, it takes a concerted effort to reach down, open that latch, let that door swing wide open and invite him in. You could call that free will. In the, in the, in the time when Jesus... Is, is Jesus was at the beginning. You were born. He says to God, he says, so you're getting ready for creation for my brother, Mr. Ken Kunkel. And that's a great thing because he's going to be a great fisherman. This will be fun to watch. Of course, he's going to marry this beautiful young lady. It, so it'll be a great thing. And then Ken is born. Now, God could take that and say, hey, Ken, I want you to follow me the rest of your life. Here's what you're going to do. Boom. Put it on him, and Ken has no other choice but to follow him. And I'm pretty sure, because I've heard Ken's testimony, that there's a time when Ken didn't exactly do that, much like myself. But God allows U-turns. That whole repent word, think of that as a U-turn for whatever you've done. It doesn't even matter. Remember when we talked about uh, the church of Thyatira when he said Jezebel was leading all of his children astray and he said to them, hey, you can still repent because I gave her a chance to repent. All through this book, you see places where God said, I don't want you to die, I want you to repent. He wants you to come back to him. It's free will, we get to choose. You wanna know how much something loves you? What is that phrase that they always said in the 70s? If you really wanna know if something loves you, let it go. And it sounded like such a pretty song when they made it, and it was beautiful, and everybody saw butterflies, and it was just this beautiful time. Of course, there's other reasons they saw butterflies in the 70s, but we won't get into that. Anyways, so we find out real quick that Jesus is telling them, you may be wretched, pitiable, poor, and naked, but you can come back. See, this book, man... It's so exciting to see that the God of creation knows you, each one of you by name. I could sit here and go all the way from Mark to Kilby and name all of you. And yet, you know God knows your name. Because he reached down at some point and said to you, okay, hey Bradley, you're done doing all that stuff you were doing before. It's time now. Come on, brother. I'm going to put you behind a drum set for Jesus, and you're going to be amazing. We have to realize that God wants us by his side more than anything. But he wants us so much to desire that, he never, ever forces us. He tells us, guess what? You can choose what you, what you want to be and where you want to be. Your family. For those even that family online, please know this. I would pray that all of you would desire to repent. That when Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, even if it has to be repeated more than once, you open that door and say, Jesus, please come in. I don't know what I'm doing, where I'm going, or how I'm going to make it. 
but I leave everything in your hands, Lord. Because that's what this passage is about. Whether you are hot or cold, never lukewarm. That means you can be either or. You can be soothing to some people or light a fire under other people. I pray that as we open that door and let Jesus walk in, that our choice is to always say, Lord, help my unbelief. Let me be what you desire for me to be. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this time. Thank you for your word. May you now, as we split up into our groups, our small group time together, may you reach down into our hearts, our discussions, our moments of just sharing life together and help us to hear you in all things. And we pray in the precious name of Jesus himself. Amen. If you're online, we're going to turn off the online stick now. And But please understand, you can, if you have questions, you can always go to pastor at lighthousecommunity.com. Let us know. We would love to answer your questions. I have loved getting the questions we have by email. And uh, we've answered those and brought them forth. And it's been a great time for those of you in this room. You have your life groups. You can get together. And uh, we can keep going on these sermon notes. And there's lots of material there for you to look at discuss and read i will be here so if you wish to ask me to come over and talk a little bit to you about it if you're not tired of hearing my voice yet i'll be glad to share with you so i love you all god bless you all online and may you have a great week we'll see you on sunday